Welcome to On the Bench. Our Meet the Coaches series continues. Today, we are going to have special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach John Papuches, known as Coach JP. Josh, glad you got his name right. I did. We will touch on the pronunciation of the name very in depth, probably more so than both people would like in the interview. Josh, uh, what stood out to you about this interview? What should people be looking forward to in the next couple minutes? Yeah, we stumbled through the first part, but then it really got picked up. Um, no, it wasn't, it was, a, it wasn't a, a stumble. <laughs> you redeem yourself with the Nandamakan Sue question. That was really insightful um, story about his Heisman trip. But there's some other good stuff in there. And we just kind of talked philosophy. We, we hit on some recruiting. And um, we also get into the hopes and dreams of Coach JP in this coaching thing. It's a really interesting, like his career trajectory is not what I would call traditional. It is interesting. Uh, to me, it was like him being pretty open about the process of coming on as Florida State's special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach because, Josh, when we were doing reporting for this uh, coaching staff being assembled, like we were either head on or like has at least had a good idea on how a lot of things were developing or thought they were going to develop. Uh, yeah, coach, he was coach one of the outliers. He, yeah, he was. He he was. I was blindsided by that. It was not a name that was on the radar for me. Uh, and Coach JP kind of talks about his relationship with with Coach Norvell and and the connection they made years ago uh, through just a phone call. So so it's going to be an interesting podcast and go on a variety of topics. So uh, stick around, Let the people please. Listen. Let the uh, yeah. people listen. We'll be right back, and then JP on the other side. Welcome back to On the Bench. Today, joining us, we have Florida State Special Teams Coordinator and Defensive End Coach, John Papuchis. Uh, also goes by, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, Coach JP, correct? Absolutely. Makes life easier. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to On the Bench. Can I ask you, yeah, why, why does it make life easier? Is this because some people struggle with Papuchis? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, I mean, just from a pronunciation standpoint, you know, the, the thing I never want to have happen, whether it's a recruit or a fan or a player, they don't approach me or talk to me because they're not sure how to pronounce my name. So JP just makes life a lot easier. That, that does. That may make sense, too. Uh, my last name's Sinone, and you should see how people butcher it, Coach. They go Sinonin, Sinoni. Like, they add they add letters that aren't there, uh, but I can't I'm go by it. because that's how I thought it was this whole time when I read it. So oh, there you go. Uh, but I can't go by, like, BS. my initials are BS, so I can't, I can't abbreviate it, unfortunately, like you can. Uh, what, what's the most someone's ever, ever butchered your day? Like, what's the most, like, oh, that's not even close? Uh, when you get the, uh, like the, the, like the, the automated phone calls and the computer tries to pronounce it, it's it's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I've heard everything. So my thing is where it's not even in the ballpark. So, um, but I've kind of gotten used to it. And if it's something that doesn't bother me, I just kind of go with it. So it's no big deal. Right. Go with the flow. I like it. So, uh, your your title coach you have special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach let's start off with the special teams aspect of of the job uh been really interesting kind of doing research on your background seems like you got into special teams work pretty early on in your career and have been a special teams coordinator at several different stops i guess uh, how did you become like a special team specialist if you will i don't even know if that's the right way to phrase it but like how did you become so involved in that aspect of the sport well, a little of it was, was by necessity, uh, and some of it was by creating opportunities and, and ways to differentiate yourself in this profession. Um, when I was a graduate assistant at LSU for Coach Miles, he wanted somebody that would be able to work with the punters. 
And we didn't have anybody on staff that really had that background or knowledge. And I did. And, uh, you know, I just kind of took the responsibility and ran with it. And we had a really good player. Uh, Patrick Fisher was our, was our punter in 2007. And uh, he ended up being first team all SEC. And, and really it didn't have anything to do with me. I mean, he was a super talented guy, um, but I did think I helped him along the way. And that kind of started, uh, you know, my kind of entrance into the special teams world from that aspect. And when we went to Nebraska with coach Pelini, uh, he wanted me to work with our punt team and our kickoff unit. And uh, it just kind of evolved into where I kind of headed up all the units, um, you know, for him, cause you know, it just fit with our staff structure at the time and kind of went with it from there. And now with your role with a special teams coordinator at Florida state, is it going to be kind of similar to where you're going to head up all of it? Uh, is it kind of by committee? Uh, I guess, how, how is that going to work for you guys moving forward? Well, here, the way it's going to be structured is that I will head up all of it. Okay. Uh, but the way coach has it set up is all the coaches participate in it, you know, so, you know, starting with coach Norvell, who, who puts an extreme um, emphasis on the special teams and then all of our position coaches uh, minus our offensive line coach you know, and uh, coach Higgins uh, will have direct roles in coaching all the units. So it's a, it's a team effort, just like offensive defenses. You, you mentioned the emphasis that coach Norvell puts on special teams. I know his units have traditionally at Memphis, like fared really well and, at his introductory press conference, he mentioned it and gushed over special teams. And, and that was music to the ears of, of many Florida state fans who wanted that consistent play. Have you, have you been around, I guess, what about him? Have you gathered like why that's so important for him and how do your ideologies like kind of work together when it comes to special teams? Well, you know, there's a couple aspects of, of it that, that I know are important to him and, and why it's such a big deal. But, you know, one of them is, you know, it's the one time where, you got all the guys, whether it's offense, defense, or, or specialists who are recruited for special teams, all together working on the same units. So it, it does create that team cohesion aspect of it. Uh, second of all, the fundamentals that you use in special teams, whether it's in protection or in coverage, those fundamentals carry throughout, whether no matter what position you're playing, offensively or defensively. And we work really hard as a as a staff to make sure that the, the players understand how all those fundamentals of being a good football player are tied together. So the buy-in from the players is I'm not just working a special teams drill. I'm working on the fundamentals that are going to make me better at the position I play too. Um, so trying to have as much carryover and tie in to, to their actual position is a huge part of it. Hey coach, this is Newberg. Um, I've always had a, a weird, um, perception of special teams coaches because um you guys kind of do everything but none of you are are specifically experts with with the kicking process you know and right. especially dealing with those weird kickers because some of them are kind of <laughs> kind of out there and, and weird. <laughs> so so like how did you acclimate yourself to kicking and punting like we talked about well, so, you know, you're right. Cause you know, probably the, the most overlooked aspect of when you put together a coaching staff is someone who ha like can work specifically with the kickers. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of special teams coordinators are more big picture scheme. You know, the, all the other 10 guys right. on the field. Almost. Um, I mean, every special teams coach that I've ever met or covered or 
you know, heard of, I've never really heard of a, a kicker specialist being hired. Right. And, and that's because of the limitations on our hiring numbers and, and college football and everything else. Um, but so, you know, I'm similar in that regard. You know, there are a lot of fundamentals I know about the actual kicking game, mm-hmm. but there are also a lot of, a lot of kickers come into college. They already have a kicking coach. Right. So you kind of, you work that balance of, okay, I understand uh, you know, from a fundamental aspect and also from a, um, from a mental side of, of the kicking game, how to deal with this player. But I also understand more than any other position on our team, they have more outside influence on what they're doing. And I've never been against one of our guys using a kicking coach or being comfortable with someone that they work with in the off season to prepare them for the season, because those people are experts at kicking mm-hmm. where I'm, where I would hang my hat on more is in terms of what the other 10 guys are doing, but I am well-versed in, in the fundamentals of being a good kicker, holder and snapper. Yeah. That's interesting to hear about um, the balance that you got to kind of kind of play with there. Um, I cover recruiting at Knowles 24 seven. So I just wanted to ask you, what's going to be your recruiting territory now that you're, you've settled in at Florida state. So from a primary area perspective, I have uh, like a, on 10 going east. So okay. really starting a little bit outside of Jacksonville, right? Cool. But have Jacksonville all the way to the coast on, on 10, essentially. And then I have southeast Georgia. Ah, very interesting. Those, that's my um, primary area. And then I, I have the DMV as a secondary area. Okay, and you spend some time at Maryland. Is does Coach Odell get up there with you, or is it just you in the DMV? Well, it's going to be a little bit split. So, so I'm actually from Maryland originally, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so my ties are more in Maryland, uh, and Coach Odell is going to hit more of DC and Northern Virginia. Gotcha. And so, what do you be think about beach. what do you think about Florida State's past success in the DMV area? What do you what do you kind of credit that to? Because they've had quite a few players from that area. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you can credit to, to a couple things. I mean, one is those kids, they will leave. You know, it's a, it's a pretty transient area, and those kids go away to go to college, typically. Good point. Uh, the second thing is, uh, obviously, the the brand and the name recognition of Florida State. You know, so... Um, you know, when you, even when you get outside of Florida, obviously kids from all over the country know what Florida state is and what it has been and what it represents. So I think there's an appeal to a, to a DC area kid, um, to want to come here and want to, you know, obviously the better, better location in terms of weather and all that stuff, but two, just, you know, I should probably made this number one point, but is what Florida state represents and it's all about. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's a, that's a good point. Um, I was at the, the Tampa meet and greet with the coaches and it was a big success and talked to some people that were at the Jacksonville one and heard that it was also um, a great turnout. What was the response and, and kind of what's been the message from high school coaches to you guys and the new staff at Florida State? You know, everything has been really positive. Um, I think they do appreciate the fact that um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to sit here on campus and ask people to come to us. Right. 
but that's inconvenient at times for the for the coaching the high school coaching staff. Yeah. It, it takes a little bit more work on our end, but it's probably more convenient for the high school coaches for us to go to them. And we're able to get more people because they don't have to, to spend the whole day coming here. We go to those spots for the meet and greets and um, get a chance to put faces with names because a lot of guys on the staff are new to Florida. Mm-hmm. And we want, you know, as many guys as possible to be able to, to, to know who we are, what we represent, and what we're all about. So, Coach, we've gotten a chance to talk about special teams work, uh, recruiting. I want to get your thoughts, too, on, on the other position you're going to be doing, which is defensive line. And, and maybe we can go back to your time at Nebraska. You coached a guy named Nautikum Sue. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was pretty good back in the day. What was uh, How early on in like working with him did you realize he was a special, unique talent? Uh, you know, really, really very early on, obviously, you know, I mean, you could see his raw talent ability. Um, but the thing that made him different, which I've, I've always tried to, to explain to guys I've worked with after that uh, point was that he took a great approach in the meeting room as well. You know, he was really, really a hard worker on the field, but he always wanted to know more about the why he was being asked to do the things he was being asked to do. And I think over the course of time that made him such a better player because it wasn't that he just was physically gifted, but he really started to understand how he fit in the defense and how he could take advantage of different one-on-one matchups or different line movements and, and make it part of his game, you know, to, to, to really be, you know, a, a real student of the game as opposed to just a guy that's super talented. Uh, he went to the, he, he was a Heisman finalist back. I think it was in 2009, which you, really, really rare to see a defensive lineman up there. Right. Uh, and, and I may, if I am wrong on this, please let me know. I may be misinformed, but I was told that you were able to accompany him up to New York city. Uh, yes. That, one, what was that like for you? And two, what does that say? Like, it seems like that really says a lot about your relationship with him that, that he wanted you there for, for that evening. Well, you know, for, for one, I mean, it was, it was an opportunity, you know, I was so young at the time. Uh, I think I was 30 or 31 years old at the time. And I don't think you appreciate when those moments come sometimes when you're so young, like how rare that is. And that the fact that you may never get an opportunity to do that again. So, you know, looking back at it, I feel super fortunate to have had that opportunity and we did it. We, we obviously had a great relationship, but full disclosure, we, you know, we went with three or four of the coaches. So yes, I was very tight with them, but coach Polina, our head coach, um, coach Carl Polina, the defense coordinator, uh, we all went with them and it was, it was really a, um, a really cool experience and, hmm. and something I'll never forget. No, that sounds, that sounds neat. My, my first year covering FSU, obviously not the same, but, uh, it was 2013. So uh, that was my first time covering college football and I had to go cover the Heisman trophy ceremony with Jameis Winston there. And it's, you, you never know if you're going to get back. You know what I mean? It's just, it's really cool. And no such question. A big, big deal. Uh, Seeing so, all those, those famous guys. Right. On the stage. That uh, whole experience. Yeah. And they go down the line there with, and you see like how much history and how long this game has been going on for. No, it, it is. It's very surreal. Um, so one thing that was kind of interesting coach when, when we were covering like a coach Norvell hiring his, his staff and put together uh, not to toot our own horn, but like, I felt like we had a decent idea of like how, how it was filling out at least had names, but I'll be honest, man, like your name was off the radar. We didn't know that coach JP was going to join Florida state staff. It was, I'd gotten my haircut. I looked down on my phone and there was a report that you were hired and I, I didn't even know there was a connection there. I guess how, 
how far back do you and coach Norvell go? How did the hiring process work? Was it something that was really, really quick? I'm just curious about that. Cause like I said, it, it caught me off guard at the time, admittedly. So it's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting story, at least to me, um, because it, it was one of those things that you just never know how you can interact with someone or impact someone, how could, it can change everything, even if it's not at that moment. So just taking you back to, uh, I think it was it was December of 2015. Coach Norvell had just been hired as the um, head coach of Memphis, and I was at the time I had been the defensive coordinator at Nebraska, but at the time I had just uh, finished my first season at the University of North Carolina coaching linebackers, and we had a, a really successful season. We were 11 and one, played Clemson in the ACC championship, and we had only been in North Carolina for a year. Well, he had called me and, and reached out um, to, to just have a conversation about um, the defensive coordinator spot at Memphis. And, um, you know, we had never met, but it was one of those conversations that uh, you just kind of hit it off and click with someone from right off the bat. And before I knew it, we had kind of sat there and talked for over an hour. And it was just about big picture philosophy and belief and coaching and nothing really specific. Long story short, you know, we got off the phone and, and obviously that didn't end up happening with me going to Memphis or anything like that, but there was a obvious connection there. And, uh, I remember getting off the phone with him and going and talking to my wife about it and saying like, what a great guy this was. Like, it seemed like we were instant kind of friends from that conversation. Well, as this profession goes, you know, you just kind of keep moving forward. And to be honest with you, I had locked his number into my phone, but I hadn't talked to him since that time. And, um, you know, I got a phone call, um, you know, I still had his number saved in the same cell phone from four years ago and whatever it was now, I guess. Yeah. Four years ago. And, uh, and his name popped up and, um, he asked, you know, about some interest in, in this position. And, you know, for me, it was, it was, uh, a pretty easy decision. You know, I, I, I loved, uh, coach Loxley and I love university of Maryland and, um, it was home for me, but, uh, just like I was talking about with recruits, Florida state is, is a special brand. It's a special opportunity. And, and it was one that, uh, my family and I felt like we couldn't pass up. Coach, uh, through the years, I've learned a lot about the coaching industry and, and kind of, I can see what a grind it is, especially for some of the younger guys like GAs and QCs, you know, into their late twenties. Um, one of the hardest things to do can be getting that break to get that first on-field job. Um, you fast-tracked your career and by 32, you were already, you know, called defensive plays at Nebraska. What do you, what do you credit to your quick rise? Well, so that's true what you said, but there's also, you know, the part that you didn't mention is that I was a GA for seven years. Sure. Um, wow. So that part was a grind. Absolutely. Um, and I, then, you know, I got an opportunity in Nebraska and then it was a quick rise from there. Um, you know, I, what I'd attributed to the most was having a tremendous opportunity and really good mentors. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I was with coach Pelini at LSU 
So I was with him for three years there and I was his right-hand guy there. Even as a GA, I was kind of the one that he would, would lean on in, t- in terms of like how he would bounce ideas off you and, and different thoughts and, and, you know, his, his mindset going into a game. And, uh, when we went to Nebraska, I originally went coaching the D line and, and coordinating the special teams, but knew it wasn't going to be very long until, um, uh, you know, when that coordinator opportunity came up, because really and truly, you know, Bo being a defensive guy, the people he felt most comfortable running his defense were people that knew his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I would attribute that, that rise and, and um, you know, kind of the quick transition to a coordinator role really because of, of the, the great mentorship that he gave me and, and the, um, the opportunity that kind of presented itself at, at a young age. Yeah, it's all it's about who you hit your wagon to and and sometimes that can take you to the top really fast. Um there's no question. What's your ultimate hopes? What's your dreams with this coaching thing? Do you want to become a head coach one day? Is that your ultimate goal? You know, so that that's a great question. Probably if you had asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have said absolutely no question. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Um what I've what I've learned over probably the last 10 years or so is my goal right now is to be the absolute best defensive end special teams coordinator I could possibly be. <laughs> and if it's in God's will that, that I become a head coach one day, then great. If it isn't, then I will know that I was the absolute best defensive end special teams coordinator I could have been and go with it from there. So, you know, there was a point in time where I thought you could kind of steer or control your career path, but yeah. You know, you know, I've had great ups and downs, you know, and, and, uh, you know, what I've come to realize is that, you know, there are certain things that you can control and there are certain things that you can't. And the one thing I can control is my effort and attitude Mm. and, and what I give to the program, the things I can't control, I've kind of let go of. Mm. It's the truth. We, we go from a great question and even better answer to we'll end it with, with probably an awful question. Coach, what have I told you (laughs) that, that, that I set? My high school's record for extra points made in the game, I was the long snapper. We had seven. Would you have a role for me as a long snapper at Florida State? If you have some eligibility, I would love to see you come out and do it. <laughs> I'm a softball thrower. It's accurate, but it doesn't come out with a lot of zip. That may be an issue. Nah, that could be a problem. <laughs> All right. Hey. Hey, Coach JP, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the bench and uh, and having fun with us today. This was a good time. No, I appreciate it. And, you know, anything I can do going forward, guys, let me know. All right, right, Coach. Talk to you soon. And go Knowles. Coach JP, everybody. Brandon, you almost – you tried to ruin the interview. It was going really good. I think that makes it great. Outside of the beginning and the end, it was really great. I don't know. I think it loosens them up. It sets a nice tone for everything else. It's like a sandwich. It's like the moldy bread and you're the delicious uh, cold cuts in the middle. I think actually you guys got along pretty well on this pod. I thought so too. I don't know what you're talking about. I think personality wise, you and coach JP probably match up the the best. Who are you close to personality? He laughed at your jokes. I think he had to. He was being really pleasant and nice. I appreciate it. It was, it was nice of him. He was a good guest. No, he, uh, Good insight. A guy who he touched on, like he's had, he's seen a lot of things in his coaching career going from being a GA for a long time to like a really meteoric rise to, uh, you know, things not working out the way they want to in Nebraska. And he's consistently found good jobs because he's clearly a bright guy and a good worker. Uh, 
Yeah, he's very transparent. I like him. He had good energy to him. So this is, uh, we're almost halfway done with these, Josh. Or I think this is the halfway point for us because we're talking just to about, Aaron, yeah. And I think what, who's up next? Alex Atkins. I'm looking Ken, forward to that. One. We, we got Kenny Dillingham and oh. then Alex Atkins. And then I don't know. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to. Uh, All right. So Kenny Dillingham up next. I got to, I got to get ready for that one. That's going to be, I might need a coffee up. I think that's going to be your, uh, I think that's going to be your doppelganger. Your, oh. And then we'll have Chris Thompson at the end of all this. And we're going to try to get Chris knee to do that. Uh, so those two could just be grumpy Chris's together. So, so we've heard, I think, I think they'll, I think they're kismet, uh, soulmates. So anyways, that's the end of the podcast. I'll wrap this up rambling on way too long for on the bench. I'm Brendan Sinone, Josh Newberg. Peace.